Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another Friday solo episode of Time Freedom for Lawyers. I'm Brian Glass, your host. Today, I'm going to be talking about my time out west in San Diego last week at the TBI Med Legal Conference, sharing some of my takeaways from California and letting you in on what I'm working on now that I'm back on the East Coast. Welcome to Time Freedom for Lawyers, where the goal is to become less busy, make more money, and spend more time doing what you want instead of what you have to. Bringing together guests from all walks of life who are living a life of their own design and sharing actionable tips for how you too can live the life of your dreams. Now, here's your host, Brian Glass. Okay. Hey, thanks for listening in. So I was out uh, in San Diego from, I don't know, Wednesday of last week to Sunday evening. And actually my plane landed on Monday morning. I took the red eye back, which is miserable if you haven't done it before. Uh, And I probably won't do that again anytime soon. So I was at this brain injury conference for personal injury lawyers. And the concept is really cool. They brought together, they said 4,000 attendees. I I don't know, didn't seem like quite that many people, but they brought together lawyers and doctors and chiropractors and everybody who kind of tangentially even touches the auto accident world. And this is largely an auto accident event. You know, of course, you can get a brain injury in a number of other places, but most of us out there were somewhere related to the auto accident world. And what was cool about this conference was that they brought together in a competing way, doctors from the same discipline. And so if you know anything about the presentation of a personal injury case, you know that oftentimes both sides will hire an expert. And so one of the panels that I went to was two neuropsychs. And it was uh, guys and and girls that, that testified on both the plaintiff and the defense side throughout the course of their careers. And they got them to talk without saying the names, but about three cases where they'd been on opposite sides of each other. And again, if you don't know anything about trial work, the setup usually is that if I call an expert, I ask direct questions of that expert, and then the other lawyer gets up and cross-examines them, tries to show that their foundations are off, tries to show that they're not qualified to give the opinions that they gave, tried to show that the opinions that they gave aren't well-built conclusions. But what never happens in a courtroom is that the two experts talk to each other or ask questions of each other. And that's exactly what happened in in this conference is you had neurologists and neuropsychologists going over the same case and talking about the things that they saw. So I thought that was really neat. And then, of course, it's always cool to be around people that are doing really big things. So, you know, to hear from speakers who consistently have seven and eight figure and occasionally nine figure verdicts about the methods and the tactics by which they develop cases, how they select their cases and then how they build them up. Although it can be overwhelming to hear what those people are spending on cases. The number that I heard over and over again was like, it costs $150,000 to $200,000 to bring one of our cases to trial. And so I asked a couple people, because it was a largely California-based conference. I, I asked, hey, like, is this normal in California? Do you guys talk to every doctor? Do you interview 20 people around a case? Do you bring in eight experts in every single case? And and we heard that, no, most of them manage cases the way that we do back on the East Coast, which is that you don't always have a whole bunch of money that you might be able to get. You're usually limited by the amount of insurance that's available. And so you reserve these monster cases and monster case developments for the ones where you have very large insurance policies to go after. And then, of course, the the tactic is like, 
If you hit one of those, then you have to be on the speaker circuit because when somebody who has a practice like me, where you're running you know, serious cases, but not mega cases, when I get a mega case that comes in, I absolutely am going to go associate with somebody who's a mega case lawyer. And you hear their names because they're all along the speaker circuit. But my biggest takeaway from this event is that you can't do everything. And so just to give you some context, this event, they were running nine different classrooms from 8.45 in the morning to six o'clock at night every single day for four days. And so I totaled it up and they were running hour-long programs in each class. And it must have been 250 or 300 courses that you could have taken. I'll just give you like a sampling of of what's out there. Rapid fire of every diagnostic test known to man to either confirm or verify a, a TBI case. How to grow a TikTok argument. How facial injuries are different. The biomechanics of a brain injury. Using scientific literature as kryptonite in, I guess, in cross-examining, cross-examining doctors. Mailbox money. What are the hot mass torts? How do you leverage and mine your client database for referral fees? Traumatic spine injury. Hormone dysfunction and traumatic brain injury. How to cross-examine a neurologist, how to cross-examine a neuropsychologist, when is traumatic brain injury considered death, chemicals, 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 neurometabolic cascade and inflammation. So that's just a small sampling. I don't know, that was probably eight or nine of the 300 or so courses that were on offer. And my big takeaway was you cannot do all of this well. And so what, what was rattling around in my mind at the end of every night was, what Aaron West told me two weeks ago in his episode, which is like the key to success is going an inch wide and a mile deep. It's becoming an expert at one thing. It's becoming the guy or the girl that examines cross examines neuropsychs in huge cases. It's building a big social media audience so that you can attract cases so that you can refer them out. It's having the best intake in your firm so that when cases call you, they actually retain you as clients, but it's not doing all three of those things. It's very, very hard to become an expert on all three of those things. And and you might by the time you're 99, but all the technology changes all of the time. And it's impossible to keep up with the technology and the science and the courtroom skills that you need to have to apply all of these things. And so I've done a lot of thinking over the last couple of days over like, what am I really good at and where should I focus my efforts? And what I'm really good at is synthesizing data, asking the right questions, and spitting out simple, often binary responses that people can go and execute on. And so I'll give you an example of what that looks like. We're, we're designing a new website here at the firm, and Lauren, who is our marketing director, has questions about what are we looking for in a website? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know anything about websites, but if you bring me, <laughs> if you bring me three vendors and we can walk through the pros and the cons of each of them, and I can have 30 minutes to ask you some questions, and you're prepared, and you have the details, then I can pick one at the end of those 30 minutes, and it's probably going to be the right one. And so what I'm working on designing for myself after a conversation with my coach, Sammy Chong, is how do I get to a practice where my brain is put to its best and highest use, which is working on complicated, high-value cases finding in the moderate cases the levers that we can pull that is the low-hanging fruit that moves those cases to a conclusion and solving difficult problems and getting out of 
all of the rest of the legal stuff, getting out of the taking of depositions, getting out of the answering of discovery, getting out of the phone calls from clients in the middle of their stream of treatment, when we don't have all of the information and we can't make any decisions, and all I'm really doing is holding hands and giving a little bit of guidance, how do I offload that and everything that's in my brain about that to somebody else and put myself to my highest and best use, which is synthesizing data and making decisions? My time is not well spent focusing on, it was another course there is like, bulletproof methods for framing questions and reframing and recircling in depositions. Like that's not a good use of my time. And it took a long time as a lawyer to figure that out. I've been practicing almost 15 years now and I've spent a lot of time trying to get better at everything and spending my time now not working on my C plus skills and trying to raise them to a B plus or better level but focusing almost exclusively on what I'm at least B plus at now and trying to go to A or A plus is where I'm finding the highest leverage of my next dollar, next hour, next day, whatever. And the other thing that I noticed at this conference is that I think that really puts me in the minority. The vast majority of these sessions were about how to learn more medicine, take a better deposition and cross-examine people more efficiently. And those sessions all had people spilling out into the hallway. So one of the things about this conference is that they grossly oversold the number of tickets. There weren't enough chairs. And then the way that they set up these rooms was that the speaker stage took up like at least a third, if not half of the room. And so you had people lining the walls and sitting on the floor in front of the chairs. It was pretty crazy. But almost everybody was trying to become better at the doing of the legal, which is which is brilliant for most of those people. At this stage of my career, it's just not all that interesting to me. I spent most of my time in the business and the marketing track. And that room was half, if not less, full, uh, which is interesting. And an interesting observation, like if you're listening to this, you're probably a little bit more entrepreneurial than you are, like trying to figure out how to take a better deposition. And so the competition for guys and girls like us is actually much lower, right? There are many fewer lawyers trying to get better at running a business than there are lawyers trying to get better at being a better lawyer. And I don't really think that being a better lawyer is a differentiator when it comes to getting clients. I just I just don't. Clients never, I think, know what happens if they had gone down the other path. There's no alternate dimension where somebody else cross-examined the neurologist and you got a better result. Again, and I've said this a couple of times, not to say you have permission to be a shitty lawyer because you don't. It's the, the price to play the game. But if that's what you're going to focus on is the business building side, then you've got to have lawyers who can build up the rest of it for you or do the rest of it for you. And for me, again, it's about having somebody that can synthesize all the data or bring me all the data so that I can synthesize it and I can help clients make decisions on what to do with their case. My skill set is not in the aggregation of the data or the collection. It's just not what I'm good at and I've never been good at it and I have no intention of trying to get any better at it. And the last thing that I'll say on that is like, there's there's room for everybody. And so if you heard that and you think that's bullshit and I wanna be the world's greatest lawyer, good, good for you. You wanna come work for me? That'd be awesome. I'd love, to, I'd love to work with the world's greatest lawyers. Life is all about designing what it is that you wanna get out of life and and putting yourself to your own highest and best use of your time, which is a real estate 
term, like what's the highest and best use of the property, but your highest and best use of your time and your next dollar for education and always striving to get better at the things you are already good at rather than trying to fill the gaps in your in your resume with other skills of your own. For me, go and try to fill your own perceived deficits, not with a set of skills that you know, but with somebody who's really good at that thing for whom you will have a mutual benefit because you're really good at some stuff that they're not really good at. And so for me, like I went out to this brain injury conference and came back again thinking about how do we go an inch wide and a mile deep on things that we're good at already instead of trying to, what lawyers will often do, like build revenue by adding an additional practice area or going out and learning something else. My challenge for you, if this resonates, is to think about what you are elite at and what holes you have in your set of skills And think not about where can you go learn the skills to fill those holes, but where can you find somebody who's already good at it and accelerate both of yourselves towards a higher path to success. I hope that resonates with you. If it does, shoot me a message and have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Time Freedom for Lawyers. Like what you heard? Please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Interested in hearing more from Brian? head over to timefreedompodcast.com and sign up for our weekly email newsletter.